Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin Eck. What's up, Honor Nation? Welcome to episode 67 of the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. Now, my guest today is a former Shimmer champion. In fact, she's the longest reigning Shimmer champion, 721 days. She's also a competitor in the RRH Women's Title Tournament, and her first round match against Maserati will be on ROH TV this coming weekend. She is the queen of suplexes, Lil Swole, Nicole Savoy. Nicole, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, as I told you before we started recording, I'm, I'm very excited to, uh, to talk to you. As I said, I'm a, I'm a big fan of your work. Very happy that you're in this tournament. Uh, and we're going to talk about the tournament. But before we do, I want to talk about this crazy year and a half that we've all lived through. Uh, you appeared on the last ROH show before we shut down for about six months because of the pandemic. It was Bound by Honor in Nashville, Tennessee. It was February 2020, and you defeated Angelina Love on that show. So I guess my first question is, what was it like working with a vet like Angelina Love? Uh, and I know you had worked a tag match about a, a month prior, but what was it like working in the, uh, getting in the ring with her? You know, it's always surreal when you get to uh, work with veterans that you grew up watching. Um, me and my sister, we actually were huge fans of the beautiful people growing up. Um, and then fast forward, I never would have thought that I would be wrestling Angelina Love in the Ring of Honor ring. It was a surreal moment. I can only imagine. Um, let's, <laughs> talking about surreal moments, let's talk about then what transpired not long after that match. You were booked for both shows uh, it was the weekend of March 13th and 14th in Las Vegas. It was 18th anniversary weekend. You were booked to face Session Moth Martina at the anniversary show, and then Sumi Sakai the next night in the past versus present. Tell me your story of what that weekend was like. I've, I've talked to a lot of different people. Some people didn't get on their plane, were told not to come. Other people landed and then found out the news. I know that you actually made it to Vegas. If, if you can just recall, what was that whole crazy experience like? Oh, well, I definitely recall that weekend um, because my family actually was supposed to come down to Vegas to watch me wrestle. It was going to be my father and my brother's first time watching me wrestle. And then my sister and my niece were also coming. Um, my brother had just came home, I want to say, a couple of days before I left for that weekend um, from the military, he came home from deployment. And so uh, we had made like trip, like plans and everything. We were going to, um, they were going to come watch me wrestle. And then we all were going to ride down to Disneyland right after Ring of Honor weekend. Um, so I went down to Vegas first. Uh, my family was going to drive, drive down because um, we live in Sacramento, California. And so I get there and I just checked into my hotel room 
Um, I text my family, told them like, hey, like I made it here safe. Um, the room's ready to go. Like, you know, we're, everything's good to go and everything. Um, and then I just remember like, I think it was like an hour or so later, like there was just a bunch of like mass chain emails and like text messages that everything was starting to close down. Like Disneyland had closed down. My family was calling me, telling me that like, hey, Disneyland closed down. Um, we're not going to come because, you know, like they're, they're saying that everyone has to stay at home and like, uh, you know, it's like because of the whole pandemic and everything. So uh, I just remember like, wow, this is really disappointing because not only because I've never wrestled Session Moth Martina. I was really excited to wrestle her and I was really excited to wrestle Sumi again. And I was wanting Sumi to meet my father because there was all these like story exchanges and stuff between the two. And then like now my family's not coming because of the pandemic. Everything's closing down. Ring of Honor um, was sending emails and stuff saying like, hey, like, you know, for everyone's safety, like, uh, you know, we're gonna have to stop the shows and stuff. So it, it was a pretty hectic weekend. I ended up going back home, but it was really disappointing because it, it was gonna be the first time that my dad was gonna watch watch me wrestle live and, uh, you know, on a stage like Ring of Honor. So it was it was disappointing, and I was I was heartbroken. I can imagine. Uh, did you did you go right home, or did you stay? I know there were some matches taped, some dark matches. Did you stick around for any of that? I, I did not. I went straight home to be with my family. Okay. All right. So let's talk about then once the, the pandemic is really kind of, you know, everything shut down so quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we're living in this pandemic for months. I did a little research and um, it looked like you worked, uh, it looked like you were off about five months and then you got some work during the uh, summer and fall and then took another seven months off. Is that, is that about right from what I, what I gathered? Yes. So I guess what was that like for you to be sort of off five months, back in the ring, off seven months, back in the <laughs> ring? <laughs> um, I still managed to keep in shape as best I could. Um, couldn't really go to the training school because our training schools were closed out here in Sacramento. Um, so easily had to kind of adapt. Uh, my niece does gymnastics. So like my sister had bought like these tumbling pads for the house. I had bought like a training jujitsu dummy. Um, so a lot of that stuff just to keep my mind fresh. I did a lot of that stuff at home. Um, I'm more of an introvert than I am an extrovert. So for me, I was honestly okay with the idea of staying home because <laughs> I was like, wow, it's like not only do I get to be in my own house for training, but I also can play all the video games I want. So <laughs> I kind of wasn't complaining. <laughs> but let me ask you, as a, as a wrestler, um, what was it like just for your body to uh, be on and off like that because having talked to many wrestlers, I know it's like time off. They say is like a wrestler's worst enemy because your body gets conditioned and callous to taking the bumps. How was it for you with the layoffs? I don't think it was bad because um, it was a good time for me to take time off and heal. Um, I know, like all over the internet and stuff, um, you know there was the knee surgery and stuff like, you know, that happened years ago and everything, but it just, it was really, it was, I thought it was 
a great time. It was just a sign for me just to take the time off and let my body heal and stuff. Um, getting back into the ring though, uh, to take bumps and stuff, I will admit that I, I was sore, um, but it wasn't as bad because um, a little bit like later towards like the end of the pandemic and stuff, I was doing uh, motion capture for 2K. So it wasn't like I had um a little bit of ring rust because i was bumping in their ring if that makes sense yeah absolutely well let's go now back before the pandemic to uh the end of 2019 early 2020 we saw you wrestle a handful of matches in ring of honor what was that experience like for you Uh, because obviously you're a veteran you've been around you've been all over the world Uh, that was your first time in ring of honor so what was it like it was a great experience. Anybody that like asked me about my, my time with ring of honor, I've always told them that I've, I have, I don't have anything bad to say. Everything's been so positive. It's just, it's the second time aside from shimmer that, um, I felt like I was around family and anyone who knows me knows that like, if I go to like other wrestling places and stuff, I'm usually quiet and it takes me a while to warm up to people. So like when I got to ring of honor, just instantly came out of my shell and to have those series of matches with other women who are amazing. um, Like it definitely pushed me. Like I would go back and watch my matches and stuff. And then, you know, I was taking notes and everything. So it it honestly pushed me to be better, but like overall experience, I really love coming to ring of honor. Tell me about this, uh, this fun dark match that you did. Uh, You're known obviously for being a serious wrestler, but you did a match that was (laughs) pretty funny. I mean, pretty interesting on paper, which was (laughs) yourself and uh, cheeseburger now known as world famous CB and Eli Isom against Brian Johnson, PJ Black, and Sumi Sakai. We don't do do a whole lot of intergender or mixed tag matches in Ring of Honor, so that was kind of a unique situation. What was that like? It was a lot of fun. Um, You know what's really funny is talking about celebrity crushes. PJ was one of them, so the entire time I was like, he's across the ring. But, like, outside of that, I had a lot of fun. I would actually like to do a lot more intergender matches. I had fun. It was fun giving a German suplex to a guy. (laughs) But I had a lot of fun. And, like, yes, people know me to be a bit serious, but when I do get a chance to show my goofy side, I'm all on board for that because that's me outside of the ring is goofy. (laughs) Okay. Does PJ know about this? No, but he will now if he, he listens to podcasts. <laughs> he will now. Yeah, if he doesn't listen, I'm gonna. PJ and I are friends. I'm gonna. I'm gonna make sure that he knows. Maybe I can. I don't know. Maybe I can. It's, make- like, it's like one of those like anime scenes where it's just like the popular guy walks by and the girl's just like. <laughs> well, you know, you might want to. PJ, I believe, has, he's a bit of a heartbreaker. So I don't know. You might want to. And I love the guy. <laughs> but kind of has that that reputation, but uh, I've heard <laughs> PJ the other not that long ago, and I was saying about how you know what a good looking guy he was back in the day with uh, when he first came on the scene in NXT. He looked like this male model, and he goes, "Yeah, I don't know what happened." He goes, "That was a long time ago." So he's a he's a little more grizzled these days, but but I'm sure you know still considered a, an attractive man in his own right. I like the grizzled look. He reminds me of this one giant anime, like badass, like 
character. I tend to like the, the grizzled characters on anime shows, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, he was a little too pretty back in the day. Right? Yeah. You say? Yeah, he's a little too yeah. pretty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to also talk about, uh, because we're open here on the RA Strong podcast, we could talk about other promotions. And uh, we saw you in the AEW Women's Tag Tournament yes. teaming with Big Swole. Mm-hmm. And I know that you go by Lil Swole. So mm-hmm. I have to admit, I'm not, you have to educate me on the, the Swole thing because you're big, or no, I'm sorry, she's big, <laughs> you're little, but you're like six inches taller than her. So mm-hmm. explain this whole thing to me and how this, the whole swole thing got started. So um, I've known Ariel since uh, I had first worked for Queens of Combat. So it, the big swole, little swole thing has been kind of like this ongoing joke that eventually turned into like this well-known thing, you know, today. Um, so we would joke around in the back and we would always puff up our chest because we were always imitating Kevin Hart. Like, I don't know if you've ever watched like Kevin Hart stand, like stand up. And uh, there was a moment in his stand up where he was just kind of like, hey, and he puffed up his chest and did like the whole like swell up, pump up thing. And so we just started doing that. And people would look at us weird. And then out of nowhere, it was just kind of like, She's big swole, I'm um, little swole. And just the reactions that we would get from people, they would look at us so confused. Like, that makes no sense because you're bigger than her. Right. So we just kind of so ran with it. Um, and next thing you know, like, we had a whole bunch of other people that wanted to join our swole family. Like, Shayna is medium swole. So we have big swole, medium swole, and little swole. <laughs> it makes no sense. <laughs> No, but it's fun though. And it, it does show another side to you. Like you said, uh, in real life, you've got this kind of fun loving or, or almost goofy, um, you know, personality and inside mm-hmm. you're the queen of suplexes and, and you're a badass. So. It just, for me, like I love the Swole family, but it's like, it was great. But then I don't know if it kind of hurt me because, you know, I'm, for me, after the pandemic, I've been trying to break away from like that stigma of soul family and the trifecta, you know, cause it's like people either know me as being part of like those groups or longest reigning shimmer champion. And it's like, I've been trying to find my own self. Sure. So I don't know if that kind of hindered me a little bit. So just my, my opinion, my two cents, I think it's okay. Um, to show, I think you showed range and I think there's nothing wrong with showing a different side mm-hmm. because you can always go back to the ring and your work speaks for itself. Like you can always get back in there, do your thing that you're known for, you know, suplex people around the ring and immediately people are going to not remember the, uh, maybe, you know, maybe the, not remember the lighthearted side of your personality as much. So, yeah. So, yeah. I think it, I, I wouldn't be worried about it, but that's just my two cents. I appreciate your two cents, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Probably worth about one cent. But that's no, it. it's worth it's worth more than the two cents. I'd say twenty five cents. Wow, I guess. No, I'm that. kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm the, kidding. Inflation up to twenty five cents. All right. Well, we've got plenty more to talk about. We're gonna uh, squeeze in our first break, uh, and then we'll be right back with the Queen of Suplexes, Nicole Savoy. It's been 
fun play wrestling with y'all. But we got something even better. Yeah! Honor Nation, it's the ROH Wrestling Honor Pals. The body slamming, drop kicking way to keep the fun going. We need some tougher competition. Help put a buckle. Jay Driller. She's the new Honor Pals champion. ROH Wrestling Honor Pals. Bring home your favorite star at shophonor.com. All right, we're back on the ROH Strong Podcast with the Queen of Suplexes, Nicole Savoy. Let's talk about the original Ring of Honor uh, Women's World Title Tournament. The Quest for Gold was supposed to take place last year. Obviously, it didn't because it was scheduled for April, and uh, we were shut down by then because of the, the pandemic, obviously. That must have been disappointing for you. I guess that's an understatement or an obvious thing to say, but what was, I mean, how disappointed were you when the quest for gold was put on hold, you know, for the foreseeable future? I was really disappointed because I had, for me, I felt like, like even now I felt like I had so much to prove um, to everyone. It's like to myself and to the world, like, and to show that like, you know, I could be, you know, a world champion. And I just, it, it was just, it, it, the tournament was just something, you know, uh, how to put it. it. It's just, it was something I felt like I, I needed to do. And so to find out that it was canceled, it was very, um, it was very, like, I was, I was heartbroken. I, I just, it was just something that I, I know I needed to do and I wanted to do. So. Yeah, I think it was something a lot of people, myself included, were, were really looking forward to. But we've come full circle now. Uh, we're sort of out of this pandemic thing, um, for the most part. And, uh, and now the tournament has been rescheduled. And 15, we've got 15 competitors, of which you are one. Mm -hmm. And it all starts this coming weekend on Ring of Honor television. And you are on that first episode. You are facing Maserati. Mm -hmm. What do you know about Maserati heading into this match? I don't know anything about her. Um, the only interaction that I've ever had with her was actually at motion capture. Um, and I know that she's very chatty um, and likes to talk a lot of crap. So that's the only thing I honestly know about her. <laughs> that she's short. <laughs> He does like to talk a lot in the ring. She's one of those types, like, in the ring, she'll beat you up and, and talk and tell you about it as she's doing it. No, oh, yeah. I, it's, it's really crazy because she kind of, like, reminds me a little bit, like, of me back in my early Shimmer days where I was beating the crap out of people and talking mess. And it, I will tell you, it takes a lot of cardio to do those at the same time. <laughs> That's exactly what I said to Brian Johnson. Uh, or about Brian Johnson, because he's constantly talking during his match. I'm like, how do you not get blown up? Like all the energy you're expending mm -hmm. by talking, you know? So I, I get that. You got to be a very, you got to have great cardio. There's no mm -hmm. question about that. Oh, yeah. So I want to remind people as we're talking about it, um, as I said, this match is one of three that we're going to see on ROH TV this weekend. So check your local listings, your local Sinclair station. But you can also watch the match a week from today on Monday. Uh, if you go to Honor Club at 7 p.m. on the dot and hit start, you can watch along. And on Twitter, we have our watch party, hashtag WatchROH. So you can watch Maserati and Nicole Savoy and the two other matches that are going to be on there. And you can interact with 
other ROH fans and the ROH stars themselves. Let me ask you about a couple other competitors of note that are in the tournament, because I think these are people that you have gotten in the ring with before. Mm-hmm. Roxy, who is, or Roxy, I guess it's Roxy. You don't, you don't accentuate the C. Roxy is <laughs> only 19 years old. She's come so far at such a young age. She's actually been doing this. She's been on our show since age 13. She is someone potentially you could face again. What are your thoughts about her? Uh, she's amazing. Um, I believe I wrestled her a few months ago back in Texas and that was my first time wrestling her and I was just blown away at how good she is at the amount of like years in wrestling that she has. So the potential to wrestle her again, like I would be very excited and this time I will win. (laughs) Oh, you gotta have that confidence. Yes. Well, and look, as, as I'm not blowing smoke here, but just looking at the field, and it's an impressive field of 15 competitors, no question about that. But I would think based on your experience, your ability, uh, your well-traveled, that you got to be right up there when you start looking at favorites. So I think, uh, you know, if I was a betting man, which I'm not, uh, I, I might take the odds on, on Nicole Savoy. Oh. <laughs> all right, now I've set you, now I've put all the pressure on you. That's a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. All right, (laughs) let me ask you about a couple other ones then. Allison Kay. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on her? I think we have kind of like this rivalry going. It seems like we've beaten each other up all over the place in the United States. Yeah. (laughs) And I believe she has one win up on me. So if I were to like wrestle her again, it's just... Every time I've gotten in the ring with her, it too has also been a learning experience. And I feel like it's, I'd probably compare wrestling her to like playing a really hard video game where you just keep dying over and over again, which you learn every single time. So like for me, like I've learned from those matches that I've lost against her and I feel a lot more confident that the next time that we get in the ring that I will be victorious. So (laughs) I'm excited to wrestle her. And finally shut her up about the whole butterbean thing that she keeps holding on to and gloating about, even though that happened like years ago. <laughs> All right. I'm ignorant to that. What is the butterbean thing? So, okay. So we were at Bloodsport and <laughs> basically she like knocked me unconscious by throwing elbows to my head and she got a picture of it in a video and she's just been gloating about it because I guess she got it from some fighter in the UFC. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's definitely some motivation for you, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, one other competitor I want to ask you about, and she stands out because, well, there's just no one quite like Max the Impaler. What are your thoughts on Max? I've never wrestled Max. and. While some people might find her very intimidating, I, I don't. I find it more of like a challenge. I mean, I've wrestled women her size in the ring. I mean, for example, Jessica Havoc, and I just took the fight to Jessica, you know? So like, you know, I, I would do the same with Max. She's someone that I would love to wrestle, and I hope I get to wrestle in suplex. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I, would, I would love to see that. That's a match. <laughs> I'd pay money for that. Nicole Savoy against Max the Impaler. That would be a hard hitting. Heck yeah. Sure. 
Um, and I know, like you say, you wouldn't be intimidated because I look at, I look at Max and, and I'm scared. Just the, the facial expressions and, uh, you know, she's got the weird thing going on with the eyes. Like I'd run in the other direction. So, but that's, that's just me. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, what would it mean to you if you were to win the Ring of Honor World Championship? And you mentioned it, I guess, a little bit earlier. You feel kind of like you have something to prove. But look, you were Shimmer champion for 721 days. That's very high level of competition. That's nothing to sneeze at for sure. But um, if you could get like being the Ring of Honor champion and sort of the you would be the face of of this rechristened, rebranded championship. Honest, like it would mean it would mean the world to me because it would just validate just everything that, that I've done um, and like all the hard work and everything that I've put in to wrestling and, you know, it, it, it would be worth like all the, the injuries that I've had, just, you know, everything that I've gone through. Uh, and, you know, it just, for me, I just feel like it's just, it, it would just validate me as a competitor and a wrestler and to know that I like, even though, yes, I, I have traveled the world and defended the Shimmer title in Japan and um, Shimmer, the Shimmer title is, you know, also a world championship, but it just, to have the Ring of Honor Women's World Championship, that that would, just on top of that, that would just, you know, again, it would just validate everything for me that I can be, you know, a singles wrestler and, you know, one of the best in the world, you know? You talked about the learning experience of being in the ring with someone like Allison Kay. When you were Shimmer champion, you defended that title against women such as Mercedes Martinez, mm-hmm. cheerleader Melissa, uh, Lufisto, just to name three. That must have been an incredible learning experience also to be in the ring with three women such as, such as the three I just mentioned. Yes, and even like a learning experience, you know, with them. And then even women like Madison Eagles and Soraya Knight, you know, it's just, they're all like all that experience. It's just, it's hard to explain. It's like different styles, you know, and, and, you know, it's, they've seen everything. So, you know, it's just to learn from them and wrestle them. It definitely helped me a lot. And I think it definitely prepared me for this, tournament lufisto in particular that doesn't seem like a fun day at the office that seems like you're going to get beat up yes (laughs) um i've I've, like i've told this story before but like every time people bring up lufisto i consider her kind of like my wrestling mom um and i mean she's another one outside of ak that I, i wrestled all over the united states and um when i first wrestled her i just remember i was just so nervous and i was in the back puking up the entire time. Like they'd be like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah. And I would run to the bathroom and go puke. Cause I was that nervous to wrestle her. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So to be that nervous, I guess once the, once you go through the curtain though, do those nerves just kind of disappear because I don't know the adrenaline's pumping or, or, or is it? No, I, I'm still nervous when I'm out there. Okay. I mean, nervous in a good way, not a bad way, but like nervous in a good way. I guess like the best um, 
advice I got as far as being nervous and stuff goes, I got it from Molly Holly, and she was like, if you're not nervous out there, like, if you're not nervous, then you should just, you know, retire and hang up the boots. So, but if you're nervous, it shows you care. So, yeah. Absolutely. yes. <laughs> well, and like you said, there, there's a good nervous and that's, that's kind of what it is. And it, it really is that um, the adrenaline pumping and it, yeah, of course you're going to feel nervous. You're out there to perform in front of a crowd, mm-hmm. put your body on the line. And so, yeah, I think that makes, yeah, she's right. Like if you weren't nervous going out there, it would, you'd be inhuman. So mm-hmm. yeah, I get that. I want to ask you about another woman that you defended the title against in Shimmer and she's someone that is signed to Ring of Honor, but unfortunately, because of the pandemic and because she's over in Australia, she still has not yet made her debut. And that's Kellyanne. And I noticed when you got your ticket to gold, Kellyanne went on Twitter and said, and I quote, cannot wait to punch you in the face. So again, there's a match I would love to see is you and Kellyanne. Uh, tell me about your, your thoughts about her. She talks a lot of trash. She does. So, I'm so over it. <laughs> I think Ring of Honor, should, as soon as like, she's able to get to Ring of Honor, like Hansa, I think they should just let us duke it out in the ring. Because <laughs> like, every time I turn around, she's always like poking the bear, and, and she thinks like I can't hold my own. Like, we had one match, and I beat her. And you know, I feel like she, has, she had a chip on her shoulder ever since then. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. She, um, like yourself though, she does, she doesn't lack for confidence and I guess that's a good thing, but yeah, when she can, uh, I just can't wait till all of our international talent can travel and Kellyanne can finally make her debut. And yeah, I think with all the trash that's being talked, like we got to see the two of you in the ring together. Like we got to see if she can back it up. So fingers crossed. Okay. For that. I can't wait to boot her in the face and suplex her. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as you know, you've been in the ring with her. She's pretty tough, too. I think she might be a good challenge for you. Oh, yeah. I, I will agree there, but still, can't wait to boot her in the face. <laughs> uh, I want to ask you about uh, some of your trainers. And I know I've, I've heard you speak on different interviews where you, you've had a lot of different, you've given credit to a lot of different people mm-hmm. who played a role in your training. But I want to ask you about a couple in particular. Uh, one is Lady Apache, who is uh, very well known in Mexico. Um, what was that experience like? Uh, it was awesome. Um, that's an, she's another one that I'm so grateful to have learned from um, and that I've got to actually go on the road with um, here in the United States. And even though like we, there was kind of like a language barrier, um, we st- still found ways to talk to each other. And um, even though I'm not really good at like executing lucha moves, she taught me a lot of like how to base safely um, for luchadoras. Like I learned a lot from her as far as that goes and like just how to carry oneself. So it was a good, great experience. She's also another very, very tough woman. Yes, yes. Oh yeah. I know. I, I know. I wrestled her a few times. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I want to ask you about two other people that I saw listed as your trainers. And this came as a surprise to me because it's two guys that I'm very familiar with. Um, I saw this on cagematch.net. So you can tell me if it's true or not. Uh, Ramblin' Rich Myers and Earl mm-hmm. Pearl. Mm-hmm. They played a role in your training. I never knew that. Cause like I said, I've, 
I'm from uh, Baltimore and, and obviously they're from there as well. I know those guys. They mm-hmm. actually, little secret, uh, they, they trained me for a couple of little matches that I did. So wow. I'm sure that they're not proud of training me, but I'm sure they're very tra- proud of having a hand in training you. But how did that, uh, how did that come about? They were the trainers um, at the Guildworks Pro Wrestling Academy. Right. Um, and that's where I went for about a year or so before I had moved back to California. So, so you, I learned a lot from them. So you were in, I didn't realize you were in, in Maryland for a period of time. I lived in Virginia, but I was commuting to Gilbergs in Maryland. Okay. Wow. Yeah. See, I was, I was really shocked to see that because I know that you're a California person. Yes. So when I saw Ramblin' Rich and uh, Earl the Pearl, I'm like, that, that can't be right. You, you can't trust everything you see on the internet. So I'm like, I can't be right, but it is right. Yeah, they, they were, I've had, I have quite the list of, of trainers, um, you know, that I've trained with, so. <laughs> right, well, thumbs up to Earl the Pearl and, uh, and Ramblin' Rich. Uh, they're very involved in, uh, you probably know, MCW Pro Wrestling in Maryland, which is loosely affiliated with, with Ring of Honor. We, MCW sent a bunch of people mm-hmm. Ring of Honor, like SOS and Joe Keys, Ken Dixon, a bunch of names. So it's, uh, it, man, it's, uh, like I say, you learn something new every day. Like, I, again, no idea Nicole Savoy was ever at Gilberg's Academy. So there you go. We have something in common, Nicole. We share some trainers. Yeah, that's where I started my pro wrestling journey was at Gilbert's. (laughs) All right, well, we're going to take our next break, and we have plenty more to talk about with Nicole Savoy right after this. Want to hear post-match interviews from tonight's competitors? Want to see exclusive brand-new matches? Want to learn about breaking news before anyone else? Week by Week is the perfect companion to everything that happens on ROH TV. It premieres every single Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern on the official ROH YouTube page. That's youtube.com slash ring of honor. Stay informed on the best wrestling on the planet. I'll see you there. All right, we're back on the ROH Strong podcast with Nicole Savoy. You touched on wrestling in Japan for stardom, and I want to talk a little bit more about that. You had two tours there. What was that like from an in-ring standpoint, first of all, to work with a really talented group there in stardom? It's, it's probably the, the best, you know, women's, they're one of the best, certainly, women's wrestling organizations out there. But also, what was it like um, as far as just a, a culture shock, like being in Japan and staying there for an extended period? Well, first of all, I, I love Japan. I would love to go back there. And I tell people that, like, if I ever go back there, I probably will never come back. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a bit of a culture shock. But at the same time, um, you know, a little bit of, like, my family background is we've always been, like, appreciative and, like, understanding of other cultures. So, like, um, when I went over there, you know, it's like I kind of did a little bit of research like on like customs and etiquette and everything over there. So um, yes, it was a culture shock, but then at the same time, it's just, you know, I knew the do's and don'ts going over there. Um, The training was very hard though. I will, I will admit that the training was very hard. I was definitely out of my comfort zone um, because there was a lot of drills that I was not used to doing um, back home with training that they did there. Like they incorporated a lot of rolling and jumping and, turning it into a drop kick and, you know, just a bunch of like, 
you know, memory drills and stuff. So like I was definitely out of my, my comfort zone. I eventually like, I, you know, got better at it, but you know, it's the training is definitely hard. <laughs> sure. Sure. I've I read that you have a, um, a military background. Is that correct? I do. I was in the United States air force. Um, and I was stationed at, uh, Barksdale in Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, and I had got out early though, because my father was sick in California. So I had came home. <laughs> so as far as the discipline goes and the training, uh, in the military, did that help you at all as, as far as pro wrestling? Yes, it did. Um, I feel like uh, in basic when you're in basic training, it's like, well, there there is no quitting or going home or giving up because you're there with everyone else. So you might as well just get through it. So um, I kind of have that mentality with training in general. You know, it's, it's like you just keep going. You know, that's basically what the military, you know, in sure. basic training teaches you. Just keep going even when you're tired. And how much um, training have you gotten as far as uh, mixed martial arts? It's been on and off, honestly, throughout my entire career with mixed martial arts. Anytime I've gone to like um, a seminar, or, like a training session, I've always expressed that I don't want to train for a belt or test for a belt. I just want to learn from them so that I can be better for pro wrestling. Because when I first got into pro wrestling, I had two left feet. I sucked at moving. Like I was a track and field athlete. And so like, and I had a little bit of like a basketball background. Like I played basketball in high school, but like, you know, when you get into, when you train for pro wrestling, it's, it's very, very different. Your body's not used to rolling or bumping a certain way or moving a certain way. So like the mixed martial arts training definitely helped my footing a lot. It's funny that you said two left feet because I would think, uh, well, first of all, obviously you'd never know that by watching you now, but I would think that maybe the, um, like you need good coordination and footwork in, in basketball, right? Like you said, you played basketball, but I guess it's just, it's two different animals. Is that, is that basically? Like Listen, I was not that good in basketball. <laughs> I was good at getting rebounds and at defense. And even then my footing was still. Okay out of that <laughs> so i could see you battling there for the rebounds though maybe some elbows flying oh yeah yeah i've, I've had a few black eyes and bruises from getting rebounds <laughs> oh i was thinking more of you giving the black eyes and bruises rather than taking them no no anytime i've like hurt someone in basketball i've always apologized after like i remember i went up for a rebound and i came down and my elbow came down on this girl's eye and i was like oh I'm so sorry <laughs> Well, as far as the uh, mixed martial arts go, would you, I mean, have you ever thought about actually competing in mixed no. martial arts? No, I, I have no desire to compete or fight, if that makes sense. Like, I honestly, I only did this to get, um, to be better for pro wrestling, because my heart still was pro wrestling. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, you said you didn't necessarily want to go after you know, uh, belts or anything like that. But I just, and I know a lot of pro wrestlers, some, well, not a lot, but some, you know, they have that itch to like really want to try and, and get into MMA and just kind of mm -hmm. see what it's like, but you don't have that itch. I don't, I mean, I've, you know, I've 
been a little scrapper, you know, when I was younger, in my younger days in high school and stuff. It's not that I'm afraid to get punched in the face. Yeah, I mean, where I've grown up, it's rough, but it's just the, the heart and the desire is not there to want to sign up for a fight and train for that or compete. I mean, I have mad respect, you know, for people who do do that, even like, you know, fellow wrestlers and stuff that they venture off into the MMA world, mad respect, like, Anybody who does like bodybuilding or MMA fighting and stuff that has a pro wrestling background, I have nothing but respect for them. But for me, just my heart's not in that direction to even go that way. Right. And yeah, that's the key. If you don't have the passion for it or, you know, the de- you want to uh, make the sacrifices, dedication, a- absolutely. Like if that's not your thing, mm-hmm. definitely the kind of thing you don't want to go into uh, half-heartedly. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, that, that could turn out, that could turn out uh, very poorly. Um, let me ask you though about, uh, and I know you probably get tired of talking about it at this point, but people listening to this may not know your background, but I know that you, you tore your ACL and, mm-hmm. uh, while you were in the military playing basketball, then you tore it again and it came at, not that it's ever an, uh, a good time, but it came at probably the most inopportune time, right? Mm-hmm. While you were at a WWE tryout. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, can you just talk about that for the people who maybe don't know your, your story? Yeah. So, uh, when I had tore my ACL, I tore it at the tryout. It was doing a drill that they do there where you have four people in the ring and everyone hits a side of the ring, uh, a side of the ring, they hit the ropes and then they stop in the middle. And so, um, when I did that, the side that I, the ropes I hit did not give. And so when I went to plant my, my foot, um, I heard a pop and it was a really painful pop. And I was like, wow, like this doesn't sound good. And I just remember looking over and the trainer told me to get out of the ring and like my knee was really, really swollen. And, um, that was like the first day of tryouts. (laughs) So, that was really, that broke my heart that I got hurt the first day. Yeah, I could imagine the disappointment that you must have felt. Uh, but so the, the rest of that story, though, is that there's an opportunity to be in the first May Young Classic. Mm-hmm. And, but you're hurt. So mm-hmm. you really, well, I'll let you tell the story, but timing wasn't necessarily on your side as far as your recovery time that you would probably need or that was recommended. And then when the May Young Classic was starting. So uh, talk to me about that and how you got yourself prepared. Well, uh, so when I came home um, and I went to see a doctor, I I, like straight up asked my doctor, like, what are my options and what is the recovery time? Now, my doctor told me that like the average person for recovery time is usually about like a year or so. Um, and I said, well, what about for like, you know, someone who is an athlete and they were like freak of nature, probably about six to seven months, but like I can see maybe eight or nine months if you stick to, you know, your, your rehab and, um, everything that you're supposed to do as far as the recovery goes. So I did that. Like I did my research online. Um, and I was looking at a lot of like athletes that did get knee injuries and how long it took them to get back. And so like every day, like I would, um, cause I, cause like when I came home, um, my truck had actually broke down. So I didn't have a vehicle. So I was taking the bus to like the gym every day and stuff. And, um, like every day I was 
rehabbing my knee, getting my knee ready for surgery. And then even after, um, I was rehabbing and strengthening my knee every day. Like, and so like, even with like my friends who hurt their knees and stuff, I tell them like, you, like you want to rehab your knee going into surgery because like literally after my surgery, the next day, like I could walk without a crutch. I wouldn't advise anybody to do that, but I was basically like able to, you know, walk a couple of feet, you know, without a crutch and stuff. So it basically preparing for like the Mayan classic and stuff, it was just sticking religiously to rehabbing and strengthening. And so how many months was it that you I, was, I, I want to say like I was cleared. What was the time between when I was I said I was cleared probably the six or seven month mark. Okay, so we can officially say you are a freak of nature. I re- look, I yes, I was watching YouTube videos. I followed an ACL recovery account on Twitter. Like I was literally asking questions like <laughs> I'm coming back to wrestling. <laughs> How do I get back? <laughs> well, I guess when you can come back from something like that, set a goal and then come back and realize it that uh I mean that's just got to be a huge confidence booster, I would think, in anything you do going forward, because you prove to yourself how mentally and physically tough you can be. Mm-hmm. So, do you, did mean, you, you feel like I, you're a changed person, I guess, without getting too much into hyperbole, but do you feel like that mentally and, and all that? I do, because now, um, when any time I feel the slightest bit of pain, like, I honestly will run to the doctor to make sure it's nothing serious. Secondly, um, I, it's taught me to basically do my research and stuff and recover the proper way, you know, and and like learn to listen to my body and stuff. And, um, you know, it's, it's honestly like, yes, I I think I have became a different person because like the old me probably would have been like, ah, it's fine. It's just a broken arm. I'll still go wrestle. But like the new me is like, no, I'm going to listen to my body and take the time off to rest. (laughs) So. Well, we get older and wiser, right? That's that's live and live and learn as they say. (laughs) You classify yourself as a nerd. So what is it? Is it, is it the video game? Is it because you play video games? Is that why you consider yourself a nerd or, or what is it exactly? Are there other interests that are, that you consider nerdy? Well, I've always been a nerd. Um, I don't know if it like explains a lot, but my mom loved Star Trek and stuff like that. My dad was always a Star Wars fan and loved stuff like that. Um, my very first console that I was introduced to uh, back in the day was a TurboGrafx-16, and my dad was playing Military Madness on it, so I would sit and watch him play. And then the very first consoles that I had touched were the original Xbox and a Game Boy. So, like, I've been a nerd since early childhood, growing up with, like, Pokemon and Halo and stuff. And then um, the anime side of me actually really didn't develop until, like, uh, God, back when Cartoon Network had Toonami. So then I was getting into anime and stuff around that time. Okay. And, yeah, <laughs> just kind of branched out and, like, nerdy stuff from there. Okay. So, no, obviously a lot of people play video games, but mm-hmm. um, not me. I'm a little bit older. I, I kind of skipped that demographic, I guess. You mm-hmm. know, I, used to, I used to play the Mattel 
little football and baseball games, if you're familiar with oh, okay. Yeah. Very, very primitive. You know, Pong, Atari was a big thing for me. But uh, after that, I never really got into, like, the video games. But for yourself, you're, you're not just, like, a little bit interested. You are, like, like, an expert, right? I mean, like, this is really a big thing for you. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's – even now, like, I got to do – my love for video games definitely got me into what I do now, which is like I've done motion capture for 2K for the wrestling games. And then like I get to do video game streams with Bethesda, you know, playing Elder Scrolls online, which I thought that was pretty cool. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, it must be pretty. Have you have you been you said you're doing these motion captures. Mm-hmm. Have you has Nicole Savoy actually been a like a playable character in a video game? So uh, they have like what is called like a creator wrestler. And so I've seen a lot of those builds from people online. Like I guess you can download them from the creator wrestler store or whatever. Um, So like people have created me in those games. Um, But as far as like move sets and finishers and entries goes, um, which is what is really cool is 2K lets the wrestlers do their entrances um so i got to do my entrance so my entrance is in there but it's like one of the um it's from like the create little options that you can create for your character so my entrance is definitely in there and so is my finisher <laughs> well that's got to be pretty cool yeah it is it's really cool i have a lot of fun doing mocap mocap is great <laughs> well let's talk about see i was a wrestling nerd growing up so um were you also into wrestling when you were when you were younger, or if not, like how did you discover it? And then when did you say, you know what, I, I think I could do this and want to be in it? So I wasn't a wrestling fan at first. Um, me and my brothers used to tease my sister to make up about watching wrestling, and uh, she was actually the wrestling nerd. Um, and so, like one day, I just remember she was watching. Um, wrestling on TV and I came home from school and we sat down because I was like wow I was like there's women like I think I believe it was like Ivory and Jacqueline were on TV and I was like wow like women do this that's really cool so like I would sit and watch it with her and then my brother was like yo like these girls look good like so (laughs) so he would like so we would sit down we watch wrestling and then it was like from there like we all became wrestling fans um and uh my sister wanted to be the pro wrestler. Like I wanted to be the pro wrestler. Like I wanted to be a pro wrestler. My sister wanted it more. Okay. And um, I just remember like we all were watching wrestling and my dad just kind of like was watching with us and he sat down and he asked us like, you know, what does everybody want to be when they grow up? Just a random question, you know? And so like uh, my sister said something along the lines of she wanted to be like a banker or whatever, just to make my dad happy. <laughs> and <laughs> my brother said something along the lines of like he wants to go into the military whatever and I looked at my dad I was like I want to be a pro wrestler and I kid you not at that very point in time it was when Trish Stratus had that storyline with Vince McMahon where she had to come out to the ring and apologize oh god and Vince McMahon made her take off her clothes it was right there my dad looked at the looked at the TV <laughs> looked at me, looked at the TV, looked back at me and was like, no, <laughs> no, no, none of my daughters are doing that. And I've always been kind of like the, the rebel. Um, Cause growing up, 
um, I've, I don't know. Like I've always been, I felt like I've always been the black sheep for the family. So he told me no. And I was like, no, okay. And then when I was old enough, I ended up was like, I'm going to go do it anyway. So <laughs> to go against my dad's wishes, I ended up getting into pro wrestling. <laughs> so about what age were you when you, when you saw that? I guess it's, that was, I'm trying to think that was back in probably like 2000, right? Or mm-hmm. 2001. I was in, it was in high school. Okay. When that happened and that was, it was quite the fight. Me and my dad fought like cats and dogs over me wanting to be a pro wrestler. So, you know, cause how like, your family, how does your family feel about, I'm, I'm guessing they're pretty proud of, of you going after your dream and, and making it to this level. So are, are they supportive? Well, my, my, so my sister is very supportive. She's always been supportive. She's always had my back. Even when I wanted to give up and quit wrestling, she's always had my back. Um, my dad probably two years ago finally became accepting of the fact that I was a pro wrestler. Um, so he's supportive now. Um, he actually, even though he was, when at the time that I got hurt at, at my WWE tryout, he, you know, he was upset at the fact that like I got hurt, you know, pursuing my dream but he was the one who actually uh drove me to surgery at like four o'clock in the morning um which I had to go through uh the VA to go get my surgery so like we had to basically drive like two hours away to um Travis Air Force Base which is in Fairfield for me to get my surgery and he did that at four o'clock in the morning so he's very so he's so he's supportive now um my brothers think it's great. Um, they're very supportive. My brother TJ still kind of talks crap like, okay, well, that's cool. Hook me up with one of your friends. So he's, <laughs> so he's, so he's supportive in that way where he just wants to go and talk to some of my female wrestling friends. <laughs> all right. Well, Hey, I'm glad that you, uh, we're all glad, all the wrestling fans, I'm sure, are glad that you eventually, uh, that you did follow that dream. But I got to, I can sort of, you know, empathize with your dad a little bit as as the father of two daughters. Mm -hmm. My kids said to me at that point, they wanted to be wrestlers as I'm watching Trish Stratus, uh, Trish Stratus, excuse me, crawl around the ring on all fours, barking like a dog in her underwear. Yeah, I think I would have probably had the same reaction your dad did. I think that was a normal reaction for any father. Well, you know, and and like, what's really crazy. So like my dad's a retired corrections officer. And um, so he's, he's always been protective of us. Like a lot of people don't know this, but like um, on paper, the dad that I always talk about, like that I'm talking about now, um, it's not my biological father. Um, A lot of people consider him my stepfather, but I've known him since I was a baby. Like my real father left me when I was an infant and wanted nothing to do with me until I turned 18. So like this man that I grew up with is who I consider my father. And uh, like, he's raised me and my siblings since we were little kids. Like my mom abandoned us when I was 13. So like, you know, she dropped us off with this guy who was sleeping on his sister's couch, working three jobs to try to support kids and himself. And um, growing up, like, 
you know, he got into corrections to take care of us and stuff. So like, he was very protective, like very protective. He didn't want anything to happen to us. So for me to be like, I'm going to be a pro wrestler. <laughs> and you know, my dad's a corrections or, you know, officer and he's seen things. He's worked inside the prison. He knows, you know, how people can be and stuff like that. That was, that played a huge part in why he wasn't accepting at first of me wanting to venture out and, and do that, you know? So. Yeah. Well, like I said, it makes perfect sense being a dad myself and I don't have any sons, just, um, just two girls. And, and uh, you definitely are protective. It's a balance of wanting to be supportive and have them follow their dreams, but um, also that protective gene takes over. But mm-hmm. I, can, I can empathize also a little bit with what you say about, you know, he's not your biological father, but he's your dad. I'm adopted myself. And mm-hmm. uh, my, the people who raised me that adopted me are certainly my mother and father. Like I would never, that's just the way it is. Like you don't even think about it any other way. So um, there's a big difference between your real parent and your biological parent. So mm-hmm. that's my little, that's my little soapbox thing for today. Oh, definitely. That, that's my dad. You can't tell me otherwise. That's my dad. I've known him since I was a baby. He's the one who raised me and took care of me. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to take our final break here. And then when we come back, Nicole, if you're up for it, to a little round of 10 questions. What do you think? All right. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back. Let's roll, America. Roll up your sleeves to give blood. You can help save lives of patients that depend on blood every single day. Ring of Honor Wrestling has once again teamed up with American Red Cross for Sinclair Cares Roll Up Your Sleeves. Make an appointment today to donate blood. Your donation will help save lives and impact countless more. Go to SinclairCares.com to schedule your appointment now. All right, we are back with Nicole Savoy, and it's time to play 10 questions. Nicole, are you ready? I am ready. And it is now time for 10 questions with Kevin. Question number one, what's something on your bucket list? To go to a international volleyball game <laughs> in Japan. <laughs> in Japan. Wow. Yes. That's uh, that. Hey, what are we? Sixty-seven episodes in. No one's ever answered. That's been on no one else's bucket list. So, I'm a huge volleyball and baseball fan because of anime now. So I want to go and watch a Panasonic Panthers or JTEX things match. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll try. I don't know what that who they are, but I, I I'm sure it's it's good. So. <laughs> All right. Question number two. What's a subject you'd like to know more about? Honestly, I would like to know more about thyroid disease because that's what my sister has. Mm. And I've been trying to research that a lot. And she had recently had surgery. So I, I just want to have a better understanding of that. Okay. Well, that certainly makes sense. All right. Question number three. If you could have a conversation with any celebrity historical figure, living or dead, who would it be? I'm sorry for my dad came in the background. Um, uh, who would I like to have a conversation with? I th- I'd probably have to say like um, Carmen Carrera. Like I, I don't know if people are very um, familiar with her. She's um, she's a transgendered woman. 
Um, she's the spokesperson for the transgendered community. Um, I think that's like another thing that I want to have a better understanding of too. Because okay. I have friends who are transgendered. So like, I would like to have a conversation with her and just sit down and talk, you know, so I can better educate people in the wrestling community. Because, you know, you see a lot of hate comments online and stuff. And it's just like, I would like to, like not, you know, I would just, I just want to also help educate people, you know? Absolutely. And you're right. You do see a lot of hate comments, but I feel like slowly but surely, like, we're going in the right direction. Like I mm -hmm. think more and more people as they do educate themselves uh, are becoming, I don't know if tolerance the right word, because I don't think we have to tolerate. Tolerate almost has a negative, you know, mm -hmm. accept. I think accept is the right word. Yeah. All right, question number four. Have you ever had a paranormal experience? And if not, <gasps> do you believe oh. in its existence? Oh God, yes, I have had quite a few. Oh, well, let's, let's hear some, or at least oh, one. Oh God. Um, so I, when I was stationed in Shreveport, Louisiana, um, Louisiana is kind of like a hotbed for paranormal activity. That's and what they say, yes. <laughs> so me and my friends one night in the dorm room, we played with a Ouija board. And, uh, oh God, oh God, thinking about it just, what? All right, so... <laughs> so we were like, all right, this is fun. We didn't really get any like experience or whatever, like from the Ouija board. Um, so there's a, a intersection down the street from the base where I guess like you always see like um, a Civil War soldier kind of like cross the street and stuff. And there's like train road, tra uh, railroad tracks. And like, I guess if you stall your car on the railroad tracks, right? You put like powder on like the trunk or whatever, or if you, even if you don't, um, it was like where a bus got hit by a train so like if you stole your car the little kids that died in that will try to push your car off the um the railroad tracks and you'll see their handprints so um we didn't get the experience we didn't get the experience anything from the ouija board we were like oh well there's other stuff happening so let's just go just to see you know so we did the railroad tracks thing and i kid you not like i thought i saw someone across the street but no one was there but then like we did the railroad tracks thing and then like i kid you not i saw like little kid handprints on the trunk kid you not wow yeah <laughs> see you should watch the ghost shows because they you know like the ghost adventures and shows like that because they tell you don't ever play with the ouija board mm -hmm. couldn't do that I don't, don't worry, I wouldn't saw like a spiritual cleanser after after that. Like after all that nonsense, that it's not even nonsense, but after all that stuff that happened, I went and saw a spirit. I was like, please, I don't want a bad juju, please cleanse me. <laughs> all right, well, at least you that. Cause you, get, you can get attachments, so you get all those kinds of things. Like, mm -hmm. I, know, I probably watch too many ghost shows, but all right. Uh, question number five, do you have a guilty pleasure? Uh, I do. <laughs> okay, what is it? Uh, I simp over 2D anime men. <laughs> <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, uh, sometimes, sometimes I just watch anime shows just because the guy is really hot. <laughs> well, I, I, I see why that's a guilty pleasure. <laughs> okay. Well, I... <laughs> I appreciate you being an open book. That's 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 good stuff. All right. Well, question number six. Uh, other than PJ Black, <laughs> who is your celebrity crush? 
Uh, outside of him, Shohei Otani from the Los Angeles Angels. Wow, okay. Um, Ryu Tahoma and Yuji Nishida, they are volleyball players in Japan. <laughs> All right. Uh, Carmen Carrera, Kylie, Sonic Love. And they were, they're famous. Um, well, I spoke about Carmen Carrera. Um, she got her um, fame from RuPaul's Drag Race. So those two. And how does it say this? Then Janae Aiko. There we go. <laughs> okay. Who, who is that? I'm not familiar with. Janae Aiko is a famous singer. She's a famous R&B singer. Okay. All right. Like I said, I'm old, so. You know, I'm big on pop culture in the 70s and 80s and maybe mm -hmm. the 90s, but like... The list goes on, but I'm just going to just throw those names out there on my large well, list. <laughs> as, as a big baseball fan myself, I'm impressed with Otani, so that's that's great. Are you, are you an Angels fan? At the moment, I am. So I got into baseball because I watched a baseball anime called um, Ace of Diamond. And before I before I got into it, I was like, baseball is so boring, can't watch it, da, da, da. Then I watched this anime, and I'm like, oh, my God, baseball looks like it might be amazing. So I watched, um, it was a Brewers game, and I was like, oh, my God, baseball is actually really interesting. Now I understand it. And so uh, to be safe, because I live here in California, I just picked the Angels as my, my go-to team right now. Um, I feel like I'm in a, like a, a dating pool where I'm trying to date these teams to see which one <laughs> I'm an actual fan of. So, <laughs> uh, let, me you, let me give you a little tip. If you want to jump on a team that's not good right now, but most likely will be good in a few years, and then you can say, I was with them when they sucked. My team, the Baltimore Orioles. Okay, fair one enough. Of the worst, one of the worst teams in the league right now. Second worst record to Arizona Diamondbacks. But – they're building their farm system, and in a few years, they're be the, the brain trust for the Orioles now, the same guys that built the Houston Astros and, and rebuilt them from, like, a team that lost 100 games every year to a team that won the World Series. Same mm -hmm. guys are in Baltimore now building the Orioles. So if you jumped on now when they're, you know, in last place and 30 games out of first or whatever, people think you're crazy. But then in a few years when they're good, you could be like, I didn't just jump on the bandwagon. I was there three years ago when they were terrible. That's how I was with the Dallas Mavericks. I was a fan of them since the beginning when they won their first uh, NBA championship. I was, I, was, I was a fan of them before. That's right. There you go. <laughs> All right. Question number, where are we? Number seven. Uh, do you have any hidden talents? Do I have any hidden talents? Anything you're good at that we don't know about. Uh, obviously, the, you know, we know about video games. We know about wrestling. <laughs> anything else? I actually like to write, and I play the trumpet. <laughs> okay, didn't see that coming. I don't. I didn't picture you as a trumpet player. Yep, so you were like a band geek. Mm -hmm. I've played the trumpet since uh, my concert band days back in elementary school. Okay, so you weren't kidding. You really were a nerdy kid, weren't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but look at you now, right? Yeah. All right. Question number eight. What's something popular that you don't see the appeal of? What is something popular that I don't see the appeal of? That's what uh, I thought. Hmm. 
I'd probably say like, uh, even though I've done it a little bit myself, but twerking. <laughs> Every time I turn on my Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, any type of social media, there's someone twerking in the camera. That's true. It's like, it seems like that's a normal, okay thing now. I was just actually talking to Shane Taylor about this a long, uh, couple, like, what, a couple of weeks ago or something like that, where I'm like, there's a video that I saw of this girl who was twerking, and her little girl walked into the video and started twerking, and it was like a little six-year-old girl, and I was like, what? <laughs> so, I guess that. <laughs> well, that's good. I-, I was scared there for a minute you were going to tell me that Shane was twerking, because I... I love Shane Taylor, but I, I really don't want to see him twerk. I don't know. I think that would be great views. <laughs> <laughs> we would. I guess, yeah, I just don't think of Shane that, Shane that way, but I guess... He would never funny. do that, but I think it would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> would be funny. All right. Question number nine. What's the last show that you binge-watched or are currently binge-watching? Oh, God. Uh, the last show that I binge watch is actually an anime show. I just finished up Naruto. I watched all nine seasons. And a show that I am currently binge watching is, again, an anime show, and I am watching Bleach. See, I wish I could I wish I wish could contribute something to that as a follow-up. <laughs> I just I don't know anything about anime. Unfortunately. It's all good. I, my, my, like, taste in anime it just kind of is all over the place like i'm a huge fan of sports animes so like i'll binge watch those and get into the sports and appreciate sports and then like there's the ninja like warrior type shows that i'm like this is amazing so i've been watching naruto and bleach (laughs) okay are you familiar with the old speed racer series yes yes i I grew up on and I guess if I don't know if they've done remakes or whatever, but I grew up in the '70s on Speed Racer, and I know that originated in Japan. Mm-hmm. Is that considered anime? Yes, that actually is. All right, well there you go. I, I love Speed Racer. There you go. Okay. <laughs> you got some common ground. All right, all right. Question number ten, the final question: What's the best advice you've been given about the wrestling business, and who gave it to you? Mercedes Martinez going back on injuries heal your body up uh wrestling will always be there it's better to take care of yourself and make sure that you are healed up than to wrestle while you're injured and stuff and further mess your body up think about like the long run wrestling will always be there wise words for sure that's right Mm -hmm. play play the long game especially when it comes to your health and your body Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Nicole, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Uh, you've taught me some things about anime and and, uh, and video games and some people that I've never heard of that maybe <laughs> I should research to see who they are. Uh, let, tell people where they can find you, though, on, uh, on social media, where they can follow you. So uh, all my social media, um, all the usernames are Nikki, N-I-K-I, the letter M as in mother, S-A-V as in Victor O, so Nikki M. Sabo, and then that is also my website, which I have um, in my bios that they can go to, and that's where you can buy merch and stuff, so everything is Nikki M. Sabo. I'm going to give your your Twitter a little plug, too, because you had a great, I think it was a a pinned tweet, which um, 
let's just well let's just tease people a little bit that you did your first what is it sexy shoot right <laughs> I, I did did a sexy shoot I just got to say I clicked on it and wow um, I recommend everybody click Were you on very it. impressed because everyone was like that is so not not in your character and I was like I can do that too <laughs> absolutely absolutely I, I would definitely say um, I, I recommend that click on it and uh, uh, you'll you will be surprised is all I can say you'll thank you thank yeah, you that's, that's great stuff all right well I'm going to remind everybody once again that they can watch Nicole Savoy versus Maserati first round of the ring, ring of honor women's title tournament that's a mouthful uh, it's on ring of honor tv this weekend check your local Sinclair listings also if you want to watch it on Monday and do the watch along on twitter hashtag watch roh just go to Honor Club or Fight TV at 7 o'clock on the dot, hit start, and you can watch the episode along with other ROH fans and the ROH stars themselves. Uh, Nicole, once again, thanks so much for your time. Uh, best of luck in the tournament, and uh, I hope to see you around Ring of Honor uh, for the long haul. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, thanks to everybody out there for listening. And remember, a new episode of the ROH Strong Podcast drops every Monday morning on ROHWrestling.com and most podcast platforms. Keep it locked into ROHWrestling.com and ROH's social media channels. That's at Ring of Honor on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ring of Honor for news regarding upcoming episodes. Also, for the latest ROH news and views, you can read my column, X-Files, every Friday on ROHWrestling.com. Until next time, this is Kevin X saying stay safe and let's all be ROH strong.